This episode is dedicated to and in memory of Anthony Bourdain, son of France by blood and lineage, son of New York by residence during his earthly life, and honorary son of Yeovil Josie through travel. Imagine for a moment that you jet off from home to travel the world for an entire year, hopping from airport to airport, airline to airline, meeting new people on the regular, immersed in an array of culinary cultures for an entire year. Then, on your return home, you are told there's a riot going on, except it's not in the streets. This riot is in the form of a virus that has run amok the world over. You are now grounded. You are officially under lockdown. I am Kahisom Nisi. Join me as I zigzag the globe with the bare minimums that is a bathroom for a recording studio, a laptop, a temperamental internet connection, and sheer curiosity. All being tools to curate thoughts about the COVID-19 period. This is Checking In. On this episode of Checking In, Camille Diao and Christophe Payet are grounded to a halt. After leaving Paris for an entire year on an excursion to see how other people are experimenting with the medium of radio elsewhere in the world, Home was where the virus was. Events leading to their forced layover under lockdown starts in Senegal and unfolds as such. It started during our last months when we were in Senegal. It was growing. Like it was growing in China. It started like in November, but we didn't hear about it until maybe January. In January, they started to talk about the coronavirus, but it was, it felt very like, far away and foreign, you know. When we were in Senegal, in the last few weeks before we came back to Paris, uh, things started to accelerate a little bit. We So the situation in Europe, the situation started to be uh, worse and worse in Italy, then in Spain and France. So we knew we were coming back to a country with the disease, but we didn't realize it was going to be uh, as serious, of course. Yes, at this time, everybody was saying, oh, it's just a disease like another, it's it's, uh, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, it's and I think everything changed during one week, the week before and back, in one week it changed every day. And in Senegal, there was started starting to be a few cases of coronavirus. And so in the last two weeks, we were reading the Senegalese news saying that there was one, two, three, four, five cases. And so, yeah, we, we it was getting closer and closer, you know. But we, we didn't realize that when we will come back to Paris, it will be this situation because we thought, okay, there is a disease, but the life is just going on. And we thought that we can go to see our families in the in the country, countryside. So just the day before leaving uh, Senegal, we, we bought some uh, train tickets to go to see our family and the day after we realized oh it will be impossible yeah. <laughs> when they 
uh, declared that there was going to be a big lockdown on Saturday night. Everyone went out. We didn't. We stayed home. <laughs> But a lot of people just went out, went to the bar. Like everyone was like partying. Like it's the last night, and it took on. It took maybe two, three, four days after the the official lockdown to for people to realize that they really should stay home. To the, respect it, yeah. And, uh, Now the streets are really empty, but in the beginning, not so, not so much empty, yeah. The shockwave of unemployment has rocked the world tremendously in the Corona era, with many industries rendered non-operational due to strict rules around social distancing. For the freelancer, times have never been doubly harder. For us, it's particular because most of the people they have to work from home, uh, being locked down, or most of the people also uh, independent workers. They don't have uh, work anymore, so it will be, I think, a, a complicated uh, situation after the crisis. Uh, but for us, we come back from one year traveling, and so we had plans, uh, professional plans for the comeback. Uh, we had to meet some people to find again some work. Uh, for for your example, for me, my my first plan when going back to Paris was just to you know meet with <laughs> everyone I knew so I could find new opportunities and propose different projects. So I'm try just trying to do that by email, but it's a bit of a standby, and I have to wait until the yeah. the end of of this to to get things started again. And for me. Uh, I had the plan coming back to to build my own company, my own uh, podcast company and web radio. So in a way, the lockdown is a, is a good thing because I have time to work on my project. <laughs> so I can write my project, I can work on everything I can do alone by myself. But I'm also a bit uh, uh, in standby because I can i can't meet any people i can't meet people i want to work with i can't meet some potential clients or uh, adv advertisers or everything so yeah i work by myself on my project my ideas but uh, uh, i'm looking for the end of this to to really start the the thing the project yeah Similar to Johannesburg, Paris is renowned for its music festivals, some running for an entire five weeks at a go. Many of Camille's and Christophe's confidants are employed by the festival circuit, which generally peaks during the European summer. This summer, things are precarious, save for the cushion offered by the state, if it happens. So in France, we have many friends who work in the... <laughs> like music industry or entertainment, live events industry. So everything is shut down. It's very complicated situation for all of them because they, they just, yeah, they, they don't have any work to do. But we are lucky enough in France to have a Providence state. Um, so we have a, like a social security and a different mechanism that are thought to help people during this time. So we hope the help is going to be uh, enough for them. We don't know yet how it's going to be exactly, but compared to the U.S., for example, where they have like three million uh, people just um, uh, going to unemployment uh, in one week, 
like in France, it doesn't happen because we really have the state trying to support the uh, the companies and the independent people uh, during the crisis. So we are kind of lucky. Uh, now it's uh, the spring in France and it will be soon the summer. summer. So the summer is really the period where you have all the festivals, music festival and everything. And everything is going, going to be cancelled. And it's very difficult for all the small uh, companies in the music, venues, in, in yeah. the venues, or for all the venues. It's very, very complicated and they are wondering if they can survive uh, this crisis. The never-ending media updates about the number of infections and deaths are unavoidable during this time. That said, overexposure is enough to depress. Don't want to read the news every day because it makes me too anxious, really. <laughs> I'm really anxious about death and disease and so I don't read the news because each uh, each day just reading the number of deaths and everything makes me feel very anxious and I can have some anxious crisis and you know you 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 have uh, like um, difficulties to 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 breathe and you think oh maybe I'm sick. Questions about life, death, change are never far away during a time of calamity. These questions beckon us to reassess our ways, ponder about righting wrongs, as well as reflect on our place and track record in the world as a species. Yeah, speaking about like existential questions and ponderings, uh, just been thinking, of course, we have a lot of time to think uh, just about, you know, the world and society. Like in the bad days, I, I'm thinking, okay, so is this like the beginning of the general collapse of the world and like humanity. And in the better days, I'm thinking, okay, so maybe we like as humans, we will uh, start constructing a new society, like taking, you know, like taking the lessons of the hard times we've just been through. Uh, but I'm not so positive about it the next day, you know, I'm thinking everything is just gonna go back to normal and like always and, and you know, we're just running to the end. Uh, I, I don't know, it's a, yeah, it's also a bit uh, ang yeah. Yeah, for me, I think there is, I, I think there is two lessons humanity should, uh, should understand after that, but it will not happen because humanity is stupid. But for the first one is that uh, it's about an environment, about Earth, because I think all this crisis is because we didn't respect enough the, the Earth and the environment. And the second is about uh, equality in the society, because in the crisis we can see um, very deep the, the inequalities because some people are just taking some holidays during the lockdown because they can afford it but some people are losing their job some of some people uh, uh, in the, have, have, have to work in the supermarket in the hospital uh, or just for the, the to collect the, the, the bin the, the, trash. the trash they have to work they don't have the choice uh, they cannot be locked down so there is a real, real and strong equalities and inequalities and we can see 
and that should should be a, a lesson a lesson for for the world after the crisis. Then there's the question of time. We read it subjectively, especially when we don't have any social activity to weigh it up against. The reality that was a few weeks ago, meaning work, play, mobility, is replaced with a brand new reality where time is a combination of static and incremental movements. To subvert this loop, can a newly adopted routine suffice? For us, to be locked down every day is very, very, very strange after one year of traveling all around the world. So we were in a complete freedom, complete mobility. And from one day to another, we are locked down. So it's very strange to come back to Paris. And it's like we are uh, uh, blocked in, uh, in, time. in time between the travel and coming back to reality. We cannot come back to reality for now. It's really strange. Um, yeah, I have the same uh, sensation, like suspended time. More than, you know, um, I, I don't know, people. So some people are, are finding the, this time very long, you know. Uh, but for me, it doesn't feel like three weeks. It just feels like one day that doesn't stop, you know, like a, really a suspended uh, time. And for me, it really depends on the weeks. We, really, I, I had weeks where I was going crazy just to be to be inside and not being able to go out. And so you just, you know, stay in your bed and think about the fact that you cannot go out and you really feel bad about it. And, and I've, I, I've had other weeks, especially the first week. So for, for us, it was also a special moment coming back home after one year. So the first week, it was more like, Okay, it actually feels good to be to be home, to have time for yourself at home, you know, to, to clean shit, to just take care of stuff you don't have time to take care in like real life. So yeah, I think and as the containment uh, lasts, I think we're all gonna have bad weeks, good weeks, and you know, bad days, yeah. good days. Uh, we're we're trying to have a routine, you know, like I think a lot of people. Like, I personally wake up every morning to do some yoga to start the day. And you also do uh, some sports? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wake up every day. I start, I start by writing for one hour uh, uh, on a novel project. And then I do one hour sports. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's very, I think, important to have this kind of uh, schedule. Yeah. The future. What is life to be like post-corona? What should it be like? Where is the silver lining? All questions. All hints of hope and aspiration about starting over by Camille Diao and Christophe Payet. I, I really hope at the end of this period we can find some joy, in a sense, the joy to be like back outside, back together. We're all going through difficult times. So I really hope when this thing ends, we still get to find, you know, the, the joy to yeah. be back to life. And, and, and we can remember it as a, yeah, as a good moment, the mm -hmm. moment when we're liberate, <laughs> liberated. I hope that as a person, but also as a, a society in France, as a country, and also as the humanity, the whole humanity, we can really learn lessons from this strange period and change the way we live together. Travel beyond borders is at this moment a pipe dream. 
But that is not to say it's unattainable through other means. That Skype call or a WhatsApp message to connect with kin and friends can prove to be more transcendental than we think. It can forge solidarity. Camille and Christoph, like most of us, are physically grounded, but their hope for the next wave of being speaks volumes. So whilst you yourself hope about a better outcome, I'll be sure to check in on you. This podcast wouldn't be a real mixtape if I didn't thank the community of Creative Commons beatmakers, in this instance, Rod Hamilton and Tiffany Seal. I brought the rhymes and they the beats. I am Kahisom Nisi. This has been Checking In. On the next episode of Checking In, we connect with ghostwriter and author of the post-apocalyptic novel Dub Steps, Andrew Miller. We talk influencers, the numbers game of COVID-19, and ask whether South African domestic employment will ever have a moral framework during and post-corona. What I'm seeing is in front of our eyes, the gap between rich and poor just widening even more. You know, and, and this thing hasn't even started yet. And the ramifications of what's going on haven't even taken root yet. But you can already see the world separating even further out between those with fiber and those without.